Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You, and today I want to have a conversation with you, and it's just going to be me and you today, and I want to have a conversation about why it's important to care about Israel, why it is important to be concerned about what's happening in the, in the present war in Gaza, and why we should feel grief. And I'll, I'll open up with, with three quick scriptures. The first is Psalm 122.6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. So every one of us, we're required by the scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that those who love you may be secure. And I think that may be speaking more about, not just about those who live within Jerusalem or within the borders of Israel. I believe biblically it has to do with, with those outside of Israel for our own security, because in Ezekiel 5, 5, uh, it says, I have set Jerusalem as the center of the nations. So just think about this. If you see a ceiling fan and the weights on the ceiling fan um, are off, the whole fan wobbles. And so if Jerusalem is not at peace, then the nations are not at peace. Based on Ezekiel 5.5, 5, Jerusalem being the center of the nations. And then in Deuteronomy 32.8, it says, When God set the boundaries of the nations, when he divided mankind, he, he set those boundaries according to the sons of Israel. And so once again, the scriptures are clear that uh, Israel is at the center of the nations. And so <clears throat> when Israel is upset, when Israel is at war, when Israel is not at peace, then all the nations are not at peace. Uh, there's no security anywhere. And we're seeing now because of what's happening now in southern Israel and in Gaza and Hezbollah to the north, uh, there's this uprising happening. It's almost like a new intifada against the Jews. It seems that the whole Middle East now is on fire and uh, the Western world is on fire. And the reason is, is because when Jerusalem is not at peace, then the nations are not at peace. And so you and I have an obligation to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We have an obligation to grieve the lives of those who were lost on October 7th. In her book, People Love Dead Jews by Dara Horn, and I encourage you, <clears throat> if you want to understand the Jewish experience, if you want to understand the historic suffering and persecution of the Jews throughout history. Uh, by this book, People Love Dead Jews by Dara Horn is probably, in my estimation, the best book I've ever read. I couldn't put the book down. It gave me so much clarity and understanding the Jewish experience of suffering. She says this in her book. For the record, the number of actual righteous Gentiles officially recognized by Yad Vashem, Israel's National Holocaust Museum and Research Center, uh, for their efforts in rescuing Jews from the Holocaust is under 30,000 people out of a European population at the time <clears throat> of nearly 300 million or 0.001%. The majority of Europeans at this time 
uh, were baptized Christians. And hence, the number 0.001%, according to Dara Horn, shows that during the Holocaust, when Jews were being rounded up into cattle cars and transported to the death camps, far too many Christians were indifferent to Jewish suffering. And there is scant historical record in occupied Europe of any local congregation, Catholic or Protestant, and I've, I've researched this for year, years, uh, there's no historical record of any church denomination, for that matter, for that worked to save Jews from certain death in the crematoriums. One exception is a small French Huguenot congregation, Le Chambon, Sierra Leone, France, that rescued 5,000 Jews. And for the most part, however, Christians showed no empathy or mercy uh, to the Jewish people living in their cities. In fact, in France alone, uh, baptized Christians turned in to the Nazis 83,000 uh, Jewish neighbors, uh, as well as 10,000 children. And so people were willing to give up, cough up their Jewish neighbors. Some Jews had converted to Christianity in order to save and preserve their lives, uh, but pastors and priests took their roles from their church congregations and gave them to the Nazis and showed which people on their church roles were Jews. And the Nazis, of course, uh, arrested them and sent them uh, to the death camps. And so this pastor, his name was Pastor Andre Trockme, and uh, you can read about this in the Times of Israel an article I wrote a few months back, and is entitled, What Was Andre Thinking? The Rescuers of Lee Chambon, Sierra Leone. And Andre was a pastor, and um, in this little French Huguenot village of 5,000 people in uh, Lee Chambon, Sierra Leone, France, up in the mountains, and um, he said to his congregation, just a few you know, people in his congregation, said to them, uh, <clears throat> these are our brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we're going to work to rescue them. And in this little congregation, they rescued 5,000 Jews. In fact, the entire village of 5,000 people worked together to um, house Jews in their homes. And if one of those villagers would have spoken up, um, Andre would have been put to death and the Nazis would have found uh, Jews hiding in barns and homes. Uh, Andre's cousin, who was a school teacher, he was hiding five Jewish children uh, in the school and the Nazis found out and they sent him to the death camp and they sent the five Jewish children to Auschwitz where they perished. Uh, the town doctor, he was making false passports to help Jews escape into Switzerland. He was found out and he was put to death. And uh, the Nazi headquarters was right across the street from this little French Huguenot church, pastored by Andre um, Trocme. And so what was he thinking? Why did he do what he did? Was it just some act of um, you know, bravery? And uh, no, according to his own testimony, he said, I did this because I was obligated from the scriptures uh, to stand with the Jewish people, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and to honor my Jewish elder brothers and sisters. And so Andre Trocme in this little uh, French Huguenot village of Le Chambon, Sierra Leone, they stand out. They're like an anomaly 
on the heart monitor of um, European Christians of, of uh, in occupied Europe during the Holocaust. Most European Christians had no heart. They showed a complete lack of concern. They had no empathy or mercy toward their Jewish neighbors. And so this little congregation and another little congregation in Europe, I think it was in um, the Netherlands, uh, are the only historic record that we have of any uh, corporate group of Christians, and these were small congregations, any corporate denomination that worked together to save Jews during the Holocaust. For the most part, 99% of pastors were silent. There were individuals like Corey Tenboom that um, stood up and protected Jews, her, she and her family, and they all went to the, the death camps as a result. She survived. But uh, this congregation in Le Chambon, Sierra Leone, they've all been entered, the whole, the whole town, into Yad Vashim's uh, Righteous of the Nations. They've been designated as a town that became the Righteous of the Nations for protecting Jews. But no denomination, no church, Catholic or Protestant, except this one and the one in the, the Netherlands stood up and did something. And so the same thing is happening today, just like what, what happened in occupied Europe, just this little pastor in, in Le Chambon, Sierra Leone, Andre Trocme, he did something. He stood up. He made a difference. But history is repeating itself today, uh, just like in Andre's day. And since October 7th, I've received numerous phone calls from Christian friends who tell me the pulpits of their churches and the faculty at Christian colleges are completely silent about the massacre of Jews in southern Israel on October 7th. I received one phone call from a, a Christian friend who appealed to their pastor pleading with them to at least enter into the, the morning prayers and the Sunday morning service a simple prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. But the pastor, not wanting to have any controversy, for whatever reason, he uh, declined the appeal. He didn't want to cause controversy by praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the protection of Jewish people. Uh, one pastor, having been asked if he would be willing to open the doors of his church for a gathering of Christians and Jews to mourn the loss of over 1,200 innocent Jews killed by Hamas on October 7th and pray for the safe return of 250 Jewish hostages responded uh, to the individual that had called asking if they could, you know, uh, if he would sponsor this event and host this event. He responded by saying, you know what, my church's program schedule is so heavy right now we have no openings for an event like this, and then scolded the person by saying, next time you need to give me more notice, and I might be able to accommodate such an event. And I would like to say to that, how in the world can you give more notice uh, to an act of terror like October 7th? I mean, should we call Hamas and say, you know, Mr. Sinwar, the leader of Hamas, would you be willing next time you plan, uh, you know, uh, a heinous attack in, in Israel, would you be so kind as to call us maybe a few months ahead of time so we can uh, get on the church's program schedule so that we can have a night to honor the Jewish people and pray for the peace of Jerusalem? It doesn't make any sense. And so it, Christian theology instructs us 
to show empathy towards those who have suffered. The scripture says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's Galatians 6.2. So Christian people should be the first to say, we want to bear the burdens of our, our Jewish brothers and sisters that are at war right now in Israel. We want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We know that Jerusalem is the center of the earth. And if they are not uh, in order, if they are not secure, then all the nations are insecure. According to Ezekiel 5.5, 5, which says, I've set Jerusalem at the center of the nations. So if Jerusalem is insecure, then the nations are insecure. We're told, grieve with those who grieve in Romans 12.15. So if the Jews are grieving, the Christians should be grieving. Both the Psalms and the prophets proclaim God obligates himself to retain the memory of Jewish suffering. Psalm 9.12 tells us that God remembers those who suffer. He does not forget their cry. And Psalm 23.4 proclaims that God was with the Jewish King David in tragic circumstances. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God was with David when he was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God was, is with the Jewish people presently as they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death in this, this terrible event on October 7th and having to respond to take out the terrorists that live next door. Uh, Psalm 56, 8, uh, we should not forget this verse, which so beautifully tells us how God remembers Jewish pain. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And so God's recorded every tear of every Jew that has wept over October 7th. And we also should collect those tears in the bottle of our memory and grieve with our Jewish friends. Psalm 34:18 says, comforts us by reminding us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. While Isaiah 63, 9, which is my favorite verse in all the Bible, it assures us when Jews suffer, God suffers. And here's what Isaiah 63, 9 says. In all their affliction, he, God, was afflicted. That means when Jewish people went through a drought, God was afflicted. When they were in captivity in Egypt, God was afflicted. When they went through October 7th, God himself was afflicted. When they went through the Holocaust, God was afflicted. So in all their afflictions, God was afflicted. And so we should bear those burdens as well. We're called to do that, to bear one another's burdens. And if you're listening and you're a Christian, to fulfill the law of Christ, then you have to bear the burdens of the Jewish people. It's biblical. And these verses highlight the importance of commiserating with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And they underscore the fact that God grieves when his people experience anguish because God obligates himself to remember the suffering of his chosen people. Should not we Christians do the same? If God mourns the loss of innocent Jewish lambs who perished uh, on October 7th, should we Christians not join him? Empathy is a sign of a true Christian. And Christianity's historical indifference to Jewish pain has radically altered the heart of much of the Christian faith and could potentially eviscerate its identity. A church that has lost its identification with Israel is loveless and anemic, 
And I want to say, someone once said, the proof is in the pudding. And you might ask, well, has the church really lost its identification with Israel? I think it's proven by the, the lack of empathy Christians are showing right now for their Jewish brothers and sisters. If we have no empathy for those that laid the foundation of our faith, I mean, Paul the Apostle in Romans 11 says, uh, you do not support the root, the root supports you. So the very foundation of Christianity is Jewish. And Jesus was a Jewish uh, theologian. Jesus was a first century Jew. And um, according to Christian theology, when he returns, he's returning as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Judah. He's returning as a Jew. And so the foundation of Christianity is built on a Jewish moral ethic, on Jewish values, on the Jewish scriptures. And so for Christianity to regain any semblance of authority in its message, it must start with the age-long rejection and jealousy of the Jewish people that has led to its heartless indifference to, to Jewish pain. And so the proof is in the pudding. If, if Christians are indifferent to the suffering that our Jewish brothers and sisters are going through right now, not only in Israel, but globally with the rise of anti-Semitism, it really shows the heart of our faith has lost its true identity. We, we have no connection to these people. Um, then we really have no connection to these people's gods, God. So to reject um, the Jews is to reject uh, Abraham. To reject the Jews is to reject the God who identifies himself as the God of the Jews. And God does that. He says, I'm the God of Israel. I'm the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob. And so to have no identification with those people, I mean, I really question our relationship with the God of the Jews. Franklin Littell, he's one of my all-time great heroes, and Franklin Littell was a minister and uh, spoke fluent in German. He had a Ph.D., and right after World War II, he was commissioned by the high command uh, to go to uh, Germany and denazify Christians who were complicit in the Holocaust. And think about that. Hitler couldn't have acted alone. He couldn't have killed six million people. So who poured the gas into the gas chamber? For the most part, Germans, probably about 90% of Germans uh, prior and during the Holocaust were baptized Christians, both Catholic and Protestant. And so what led baptized Christians uh, to come up with the final solution? What led Christian medical doctors uh, to do the experiments on, on the Jewish people in the death camps? What, what caused them to justify genocide? And so Franklin spent 10 years in Germany meeting with church pastors and priests and bishops and trying to get to the bottom of their conscience. How did this happen? And so when he returned to the States, he spent the rest of his life <clears throat> dealing with this issue. And he started a conference in, um, in the States. It was called the Scholars Conference. And the title of this Scholars Conference is Scholars Conference on the Churches and the Holocaust. And in fact, in two weeks, I'll be speaking at this conference. It's at the University of Texas at Dallas. And um, I'll be doing a presentation on Franklin Littell's 15 criteria for a genocidal 
Christian movement. In other words, how did Christians in Germany come to the place where they decided it was okay to commit genocide? And so I'll be looking into this issue of right now, uh, many on uh, Christian, uh, the right, the far right Christian nationalism, they're promoting lots of anti-Semitic ideas just like they did uh, during the Holocaust. And so uh, Franklin Littell now is in heaven, uh, but I'll be there speaking at his conference. And he wrote a book called The Crucifixion of the Jews, The Failure of Christians to Understand the Jewish Experience. And that's another book I would encourage you to purchase. You can get it on Amazon. It's out of print, uh, but it's in my estimation, you know, one of the great historical books on uh, German Christians during the Holocaust. So it's entitled The Crucifixion of the Jews, The Failure of Christians to Understand the Jewish Experience. And here's what Franklin says in the book. Christians must, must draw the knife on their own anti-Semitism for the sake of the truth, not to save the church, but for the love of Jesus of Nazareth and his people. There remains far too much cunning and calculation, even among Christians well disposed towards the Jews. As a matter of fact, the relationship of Christendom to the Jewish people has been so wretched for so long that a number of outspoken Jewish leaders say frankly that they expect nothing and desire nothing from the Christians except that they keep their distance. We must earn our way back, says Franklin Littell, to the right to build a bridge, and that requires a flood of fraternal and loving actions, of which we have so far proven quite incapable. We need each other to be sure, but we Christians need Jewry first. What he's saying there is Christians need Jews first. The Jewish people can define themselves in history without Christianity, and that's true. Christians cannot establish a self-identity except in relationship to the Jewish people, past and present. Whenever Christians have attempted to do so, they have fallen into grievous heresy and sin, which is a fact. And I, I mentioned this quote recently. I was speaking a few weeks ago on a, a Christian university campus, <clears throat> and one of the students raised a question at the end of my talk and said, can you please define anti-Semitism and then define anti-Zionism, um, anti because the student said both are separate. Uh, anti, to be an anti-Zionist is different than being an anti-Semite. In other words, um, disagreeing with Israel, despising the state of Israel, is different than despising Jewish people. So what the student was saying was, you know, I don't have a problem with Jewish people, but I have a big problem with the state of Israel. And so my response was, tell me why it is that the Arab world, their landmass is 600 times the size of the tiny state of Israel, and why it's okay to have an Islamic state like Iran, why it's okay to have an Islamic state like Saudi Arabia or uh, Qatar. But when the Jews say, you know, we want our own homeland, and we want our own state, a Jewish state, the world um, becomes violent and angry towards that decision of the Jewish people to have a Jewish state. And so I said to the student, <clears throat> you can't separate the, the two. To be an anti-Zionist 
is to be an anti-Semite. And to hate the Jewish state is to hate the Jewish people. And they, of course, wondered why that was. And I said, well, according to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God promised several things to Abraham and his descendants, his blood descendants, through his son Isaac. So <clears throat> Abraham, God promised Abraham a land. I'll bring you into your own land. So that was one of the promises in the Abrahamic covenant. I'll make you a great nation. It's another promise. I'll make you a great people. He's, he promised peoplehood. He promised that there would be a blessing upon the Jewish people and there would be a blessing through the Jewish people to all the nations and there would be a blessing upon the nations who blessed the Jewish people, the blood descendants of Abraham through Isaac. And so I said to the student to deny the Jewish people their right to their own land, their, to exist within their own land, to be self-determined in their own land that God gave to them is to deny the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is to deny his covenants with Abraham, is to reject uh, God. Because I didn't come up with this. God did. He gave that land as an eternal possession to the Jewish pe people. I looked up the word eternal in uh, the dictionary, and it means eternal. So God has never broken a covenant, and he'll never break that land covenant with Israel. And so I must, as a Christian, love both the land and the Jewish people wherever they may live, the United States, Europe, uh, Latin America. And um, to separate a Jew from their land, it's impossible because of the Abrahamic covenant. They both go hand in hand, the peoplehood and the covenant of the land and the covenant of national identity, it's all mixed into one. So you can't say, well, I, it's like saying, well, I love Americans. I just despise America. You know, it's like, well, I'm an American and um, I love my country. You can't really separate me from my, my home, my, my land where I live. And I, I, I thank God for this country. I'm a patriot. And so it's like saying the same thing. You know, I, I, I love those Americans. I just despise their country. It doesn't make any sense. So Christians are trying, some, many Christians are trying to make sense out of that and say it's okay to be anti-Zionist while, while loving Jews, but the two go hand in hand. You have to love Abraham and you have to love his children and you have to love the land that God gave to them. And so may Christians obligate themselves to the memory of the individual Jewish lives erased on October 7th. And may we join in solidarity uh, with the God of Israel who stands in mournful solidarity with his people during this season of tragedy in Israel. And he grieves with them in their pain. As they're being afflicted, he is afflicted. And as we've seen, the Bible not only encourages this, it requires it. So you and I are required, according to the scriptures, to fulfill the law of Christ, if you're listening and you're a Christian, and uh, to grieve with those who grieve and to mourn with those who mourn and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm going to pray right now, and I'd, I'd ask you to agree with me. Lord, we ask today that you would bring peace to the nation of Israel. May there be peace within its citadels, within its borders, May the, the dust itself in that land be settled and, and uh, at peace. 
And we pray for the walls, the watchmen on the walls, that the walls of Jerusalem and all of Israel would be secure. Uh, we know that when Israel is unbalanced, when Israel is at war, when Israel is not secure, then all the nations are insecure. America is insecure when Israel is insecure. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem today. May there be peace within the borders. I pray for Christian pastors, even here in America, that will be like Andre Trocme and stand up and speak for truth, regardless of their denomination, what they may say with people in their congregation that may be anti-Zionist, regardless of what their base thinks or says, may they be fearless and stand like Andre Trocme stood during the Holocaust and grieve and protect Jews and say something. To not say anything is to be part of the opposition. So may we as Christians lend our voice in any small way that we can to stand with our Jewish friends during this tragic war in the nation of Israel. Protect your people, I pray, O God. We ask this in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And everybody said, Amen. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to my long rant here about the importance of standing with the Jewish people. It's not a rant. It's just biblical truth. But I'll see you next time on Israel and You. God bless.